The following is a message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. More information about Parkview is available at www.parkviewchurch.org. All right, good morning. Welcome to Parkview. I'm Doug, one of the pastors here. It's great to have you here today. And so um, if you've been with us this fall, we've been talking about uh, a series we've been calling We Believe. And so we've been looking at kind of the core foundational uh, truths and beliefs of the Christian faith. So we've talked about God the Father, talking about Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Um, last week we talked about the future. What does the Bible say about the future? We talked about what God says about people. Uh, we talked about spiritual growth. So a lot of really just great subjects, I think. And so today we're talking about the church. Like what is what is church? And so I think uh, too often we our mind just goes to the wrong place when we think about church. We a lot of times think about a building or we think about maybe an event in our week. You know, on Sunday morning, I go to church. And so uh, we're going to try to look at what the Bible says about what church really is. And so one one analogy I like to use is kind of from the realm of sports. Um, Jesus, the first time he mentioned the word uh, church, he said, um, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I think of the church as an unstoppable team. And so a few days ago, I would have loved to have said, like, for example, the Cubs are an unstoppable team, and they still may be, and they're actually a year ahead of schedule, right? From now on, they will be an unstoppable team. But like in the NFL, you think of the Patriots, and I hate the Patriots. Or in college football, you think of Alabama, and I hate Alabama. Like, so you can tell we're from Iowa, right? None of these teams are, are our teams here. So when you think about um, a team that just cannot be stopped, and that's that's what Jesus, that's how he described the church when he first introduced the concept of church. And so what I'm excited for us to do today is to really understand, look at a definition. What is church? Uh, what is my role in the church? And then what is our mission? What is God calling us to do? And what's exciting is that we're part of a team that is really globally expanding in unprecedented ways. There are over 2 billion, and that may be a low number, uh, people doing what we're doing this weekend, worshiping Jesus Christ. I did some research this week to see where is the church growing the fastest around the world, and it shocked me. Per capita, the country where the, where the gospel is expanding at the greatest rate is Iran. I would have never have guessed that. And number two is Afghanistan, because the languages are so close that the influence of the gospel in Iran is crossing the border into Afghanistan. And what's drawing believers... Uh, they're, they're called Muslim-born believers, people born to the Islamic faith that are now following Jesus Christ. And what's drawing so many of them in great numbers is just um, just being fed up and tired with all the violence associated with Islamic extremism, but at the same time also seeing Christians boldly and compassionately living out their faith in the midst of persecution. So we're seeing things you would never expect happen because, like Jesus said, this is an unstoppable team. Numerically, where the church is going the fastest today would be in countries like China or in sub-Saharan Africa or even in South America. Just the numbers are staggering. If this is an average day, you could fill Kinnick Stadium two times with the new people who are joining the church, who are following Jesus Christ. So this is a movement that continues to grow, and it's a movement that we get to be a part of. And so let me pray that we understand when the Bible talks about church, what does it mean that we understand our role in, in this amazing team that we are invited into. So let me pray and we'll start. So yeah, Father, thank you. What a great privilege uh, to talk about this subject um, and to talk to these people that 
Um, I just, I, I'm so thankful for this church. I'm thankful for the people here and how they love you and serve you. I thank you for people who are newer here, just kind of checking out what is church and what's going on. So I just pray you would help me speak clearly uh, this morning from your word about what church is and that you would just fire every one of us up to realize what this is that we get to be a part of and that we would just reevaluate. Are we, are we on the team and, and are we doing what we're called to do on a team? So uh, thank you for this great subject. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's hit a definition of church. In your bulletin, there's an outline. I would encourage you to follow along. We're covering a lot of ground today. That's kind of the frustration in this series is you have one Sunday to talk about vast topics. Okay, so let me do my best here. We'll get you out by one o'clock, I promise. Okay, so uh, so let me give you the context of where Jesus first mentioned church. It's in Matthew 16, verses 16 to 18. He's talking to his disciples, and he just asked them, who do people say that I am? What's the word on the street? What do people say about Jesus? Who, who am I? And so they're all given answers. And then Jesus said, well, who do you say that I am? And if you know the disciple team, Peter was the brash one. He always had the answer first. And so his hand goes up and he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, you know, the rock was the statement Peter just made, the, that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, on that statement, on the truth, on that rock of truth, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What I want to grab from that is that that word church, when Jesus used it, the disciples didn't immediately think about, oh yeah, like the church down the street on the corner. They didn't think of building. In fact, the word Jesus used was a very just broad word that just meant a gathering of people, an assembly of people. Like on Friday, there were two gatherings of people, one to hear Hillary and one to hear Trump. Like that's, it's just a gathering of people around a person. And so Jesus is saying, I'm going to build a movement of people who are going to be united by that statement that I am the Messiah, that I am the son of the living God. So from the get-go, the word church is a people gathered around a person, and that's the person of Jesus Christ. It's later in his life that Peter, who first heard those words from Jesus, then uh, later in his life was writing a letter to Christians who were scattered because of persecution, and they were living in remote areas. And listen to how he described uh, their privileged position as being God's people. First Peter 2, 9 through 10, he says, But you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. What I hope you're hearing here is that really church isn't a building, church isn't an event in your week, but church is an identity. Once, even he just was very blunt here. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Like when, when Christ is your Savior and, and God becomes your Father, like what, there is no other identity that transcends that. You know, Jesus said, you might have had other identities, but you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. Uh, John Stott is a famous British pastor and theologian. He says this, that the church lies at the very center of the eternal purposes of God. It's not a divine afterthought. It's not an accident of history. On the contrary, the church 
is God's new community. It's a gathering of people. Jeff Vanderstelt is a current author that writes a lot about churches and how to multiply as churches. He says this, that the church is the regenerate people of God, saved by the power of God for the purposes of God. Love those definitions. And again, what you're going to keep hearing is that church is a gathering of people around the name and the work of Jesus Christ. So the church is incredibly exclusive. If you are in the church, the only way you entered, you got on Team Jesus, is through putting your faith in Jesus, that he is the way you join this team. You put your faith in Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven, you become the people of God, all because of the work and the person of Jesus Christ. So it's incredibly exclusive. But I also want to know that it's amazingly inclusive, that anybody can join this team. And you see that throughout the scripture, that however you want to divide people, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, black, white, in the biblical times, it was Jew and Greek. Those were the two ethnicities that just continued to fight each other. Uh, Cardinal fan, Cub fan, Cyclone, Hawkeye, like however you want to split us up, men and women, like we are all invited into this amazing team. We all enter with equal footing. We are all sinners in need of grace. And we just have to admit that. We admit that. We trust in Christ to save us, and we're on the team. So it's incredibly inclusive. And you see that in the book of Revelation. In Revelation 5, 9, there's a picture of the future of worship in heaven. And as John was able to see that, he described it. And, and these are people worshiping Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And as he's describing who's in front of the throne worshiping Jesus, he says there's people from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. He's like, he's just grabbing for terms. How could I explain this even more clearly that this is an amazingly uh, diverse group of people? There's going to be former terrorists, who are in heaven because they entered with equal footing of putting their faith in Jesus Christ. We're all sinners in need of grace. We can all join this team through Jesus Christ. So there's some metaphors that the Bible uses too to help us understand the church. And I, I, I'm picking three of them to help us understand it. For example, the, the Bible says that the church is the body of Christ. Look at Colossians 1.18. It says that Jesus is the head of the body, the church, He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and that everything he might be preeminent. And so what a great analogy. So just think of your head and your body. When your head says, snap your fingers, it does it. The fingers snap. That the analogy is Jesus is the head of this church. Who leads Parkview Church? The answer is Jesus Christ. He's the head of this church. But so what that says about our role then is that we are to do uh, what Jesus tells us to do that we are to live for our lives should reflect uh, the teachings of Jesus, the purposes of Jesus, that the things we saw Jesus do when he was on the planet, those are things that we now have the privilege to do. When we talk about what the Bible says about people a few weeks ago, we said God really values us. There's dignity in human life. I think a lot of that comes from right here, that, that we are here to be the body of Christ, that when, when Jesus tells us to do something, we do it that the way we live our lives has eternal significance because we're here to do what Jesus you know, would do if he was here in person. But, but the church is the body of Christ. We are his hands and feet. We do the things that he wants us to do. And I wonder, sorry, I wonder how many of us really think that way. Like tomorrow morning, you start a Monday 
and you've got your week mapped out. Monday, I'm doing this, and Wednesday, I'm doing this. Like, I wonder how, how often we just lay our lives before Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, you're the head of, of this whole life. You're the head. I am your body. What, what are you calling me to do that we live by his priorities? So I love that picture. He's the head, we're the body. There's another metaphor the Bible uses, and sometimes these get confused, um, but sometimes the Bible compares the church to a human body. And so you look at Romans 12, for example, for as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So it's just like the human body. We have different parts, and those parts all function together. That's, that's another description of, of the church. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 12, there's a much longer passage that describes that. And it talks about two ditches you want to avoid, two errors. Like one error in there, he talks about the ear looking at an eye and saying, oh, I guess I'm not that important because I'm not an eye. You know, and so Paul says, you know, that'd be foolish if if a body is just an eye. That's weird. Okay, that just looks weird. And how would that eye hear? How would that eye move? guess you could roll it but I mean like how would that how would that all happen so he's saying we all are significant we all have a role to play in this this team called the church okay so don't go in that ditch the other ditch he goes on and says the eye can't say to the hand I don't need you I can exist as an eye and again no you would just be a freak show being pushed around and rolling around and I don't know if that means you wouldn't have an eye um lid like are you just going to get dust on you when you roll on the ground and all that so I don't know so but you can't look around and say I don't need anybody else I can just me and Jesus we can pull this off just fine it's like no you are you're integrated within a human body and we need each other and so uh, as you read through the New Testament as you put your faith in Jesus Christ Jesus gives you gifts and abilities that other people in church need they need what you have and similarly they have things that you don't have. They have gifts and abilities and talents that you don't have. And so what the Bible is clearly against is anybody trying to be lone wolf Christian or lone ranger Christian just kind of doing it. Me and Jesus, we got this. Like, no, you don't. Like, that's your plan and that will fail. You need to be a part of God's plan. And God describes the church as a body of people united together, supporting each other. There are over 40 one another passages in the New Testament. Love one another, serve one another, exhort one another, those kind of things. So that's a great picture of the church. And another metaphor you see throughout the New Testament is the church is a family. You see many family kind of terms to describe our relationships with each other in the church. In 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2, Paul is writing to Timothy. He's a younger pastor, and he's describing relationships in the church. And he says this, don't rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Uh, younger men as brothers older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters in all purity. Um, you see in the book of Romans, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, God gives you his Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's role in your life, one of them, is to cry out from your heart, Abba, Father. And that word Abba is that word Daddy. You're, the Holy Spirit constantly reminds you of your relationship with God, and it's like a father-son relationship. Um, throughout the scriptures, we see Christians describing each other as brothers and sisters. So this is, this is a family that we are a part of. And so again, we're not created to be isolated. We're created to be part of this loving team. That is our identity. And so I want to um, kind of picture this 
uh, for you. Jameson, I'm going to have you come on up for me. I need some help. So this is uh, Jameson. He's a cool kid. He's in eighth grade. There's a beanbag right there. You're going to need that, okay? And you can just stand right over there, okay? You have an important role to play in about a minute, so just stand there. Everybody give it up for Jameson. So that'd be good, okay? Good. So here's what I picture for you. What we do sometimes when we think of a church as a place you go to or it's part, it's like an event I'm a part of during the week. Then let's say church is like this red beanbag. Let's say this one's like work, you know, I've got work going, or maybe this is school for you, or maybe this one could be like your hobbies, or you got kids in sports, or you like to hunt, or you like to fish. And so too often we see when churches is a place we go to, or it's an event in our week, so we'll just try to juggle it in there. Okay, we'll try to get everything going. Okay, I got my work going, and I got my hobbies going, and I got church going, okay? So I kind of got that going. So don't, no, 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 don't. We're not doing it for that. We're not doing it for that. So we think we got it going, and we think we got this down. So, but then what happens to a lot of us, so get ready, Jameson, you're going to toss this in. So let me get it going for a little bit, and then you toss it in as my fourth one. You got it? So just right there is good. So here we go. So let me do this for a little while, then I'll say throw it in. Okay, here we go. So here I go. I got my life going. Yeah, I got my church. I'm going once a week, and I got my jobs going okay, and I got my... But then something else could pop in. Go ahead and toss it in, Jameson. And then it gets crazy, right? And then you're gone. I can't do four. I'm off on four. You did awesome. Give it up for Jameson again one more time. So... <clears throat> so I can't do it. I can't do it. And so this is like one of my cringe moments as a pastor. Like, I don't like this, but like, I'll be, on, I'll be out in town or something. And I'll run into somebody and go, hey, man, I haven't seen you in a while. Like, and I do not mean that like guilt trip. Like, why haven't you been at church? I haven't seen you in four weeks. But like, so, so many, like, I'll see people just go to the guilt bunker. Oh, pastor, I'm sorry. I've been so busy. It's like, no, I just like, how are you? I just want to, haven't seen you in a while, that kind of thing. But that happens to all of us that if we see church as just like one of the parts of our lives, um, it, it's, there's going to be seasons in our lives or maybe even just days, months, weeks in our lives where we're going to be missing out where as if you see church as your identity, this is who I am. So I get to be a part of the people of God. And so instead of just balancing, okay, my kids sports or my job, or I like to hunt or I like to golf or whatever, instead of juggling as one of many, what if we saw our identity that I am a child of God and I am designed and wired to be part of an unstoppable team. So that kind of that kind of shifts how I do my week. I make sure then that that I, that I am praising God, that I'm worshiping publicly as part of this team, that I'm getting input from God's word, and then I'm also making sure that there's times in my week where I'm living life on life with others, where their gifts are encouraging and, and helping me, and where my gifts are encouraging and helping them. And then I take my identity as the church. I'm on Team Jesus. I'm going to take that identity to work. And then it's not like oh, my church world and my work world. It's like, no, it's me as a member of the church. Now I am at work and I represent the purposes and the, the teachings of Jesus Christ here. And so then I go home and it's my identity as, as a follower of Christ that informs how I'm a dad and how I'm a husband. And then when I do go uh, golfing with buddies or whatever the thing is for you, hunting or fishing, that you're there with your friends, but your identity is there, that you are in Christ, that you are in the church and that you are representing Jesus well there. I think it's when we scatter and just have churches being kind of one of several things we do that we miss out. And that's when we miss out on the benefits and the blessings of being identified in Christ. And that's where we don't reflect uh, the purposes uh, and, and, the, and the plans of Jesus very well either. So good distinction. If you catch nothing else today, 
that the church is really our identity. We are Team Jesus. Slap the uniform on and let's go, right? And so, and part of that means then that it's a priority. I am in places where I worship, where I hear God's word proclaimed, and then I'm in community with other people. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. So, okay, keep going, Doug. Keep it moving. We got to go. So a couple other things. Uh, essential foundations of the church, okay? Let me just start right here that the word of God is one of the crucial foundations of church, okay? You do not want to come here to hear what I think or what Jeff thinks or whoever's speaking. We need to be here and study the word of God. So in 1 Timothy 3.15, for example, uh, the church is called the church of the living God, a pillar and a buttress of the truth. That really God has entrusted the gospel. God has entrusted his truth with us. And so one of our jobs is to make sure we know what his word is, what the gospel is, and to make sure that we are teaching his gospel. We are teaching his word wherever we go. So that's an essential foundation. In 2 Timothy 4.2, Paul's word to Timothy, a pastor, was, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and with teaching. Guys, if anything significant is going to come out of Parkview Church, it's going to be because we followed the word of God. Like when, if Jesus is the head of this church, if he's giving direction, it's going to be through his word, okay? So that's how we know what he's telling us to do. That's how we function well as his body. He is the head. He speaks his word. We know it, and we apply it, and we do it. And then God does his thing. So in Genesis 1, God spoke and everything came to be. God rules through his word. But when you go to Genesis 3, and you see the first man and woman rejected the word of God. So God's rule breaks down when God's word is rejected. Okay, So we've got to be a people, we've got to be a church that knows this word, applies this word, and then lives out this word. I've heard some, again, so um, I love talking about this topic because it's just reminded me over the last year, people I've met and stories I've heard. Um, this was a couple years ago, but in the foyer, uh, in a conversation with a man who just kind of described some, kind of some broken, dark places in his life, we prayed together and I said, do you have a Bible? And he said, no, I don't. We just went over to the resource center and we grabbed one. I go, man, this is a good one. It's got study notes in it. I encourage you to just start reading it. And then then I have a psalm again, and that just that just happens. But I'd say about a year later, I got an email from him, and he goes, hey, I just need to tell you what's happening. Uh, we talked once in the foyer. You gave me that Bible. I live in Japan, in Japan now. I've been reading God's Word. God's been changing my life. We live stream on Sunday mornings or whatever it is in Japan at that time. And just like we just, we are just, just thank you so much for giving me the Bible. It is changing my life. It was awesome. A couple of weeks ago, I met a family that's been coming here for about a year. And maybe one day you'll hear their story. But just an absolute tragic event happened in their family. And um, on a walk one night, they just they had no explanation for it. They said, I, they just felt like we should go to Parkview. I don't know why we should go to Parkview. And they said for a year they've been coming, just kind of sitting quietly here. And the, the words sung and the songs have just brought tears to their eyes and healing to their hearts. And when the word has been preached, it has given them hope and has given them strength to fight through this tragedy in their lives. So they wanted to meet with me. They said, it's been about a year. You just need to know what's been happening. Uh, the music here, the, the word being taught has healed us. And now we're ready to serve. We're ready to jump in. And we want to help others that have been through what we have had to walk through. And they said, and you're probably going to see some other people here too. Because some people have asked us, how have you been coping 
with this year. And they just said, well, you know, Parfi Church, we just go there and we just hear the Bible. Like, isn't that powerful? And that's not, I'm not the greatest preacher. Uh, Jeff's way better than me and the other guys are way better. But when we read this book, when we study these words, God changes lives. So as long as I'm the lead pastor here, we will not budge on that. This is a foundation. This message, this gospel is got to be central to what we do. All right. That's a foundation of this church. Let me say a second piece here is that the people of God, and you've heard that over and over again, that the church isn't a building, it's, it's the people. And so uh, Doug Fern is preaching this sermon over on the East Campus today. And so we collaborated on Friday. What are you saying? What are you doing? When we got to this point, we both said, you know, by far one of the greatest things about being a pastor at Parkview is the people we get to work with. Like, And, and seriously, like just hitting this point here, uh, there are just so many of you that I have seen God do things in your life or I'm inspired by how you serve or how you love him or how you reach out and help other people. Um, this is going to sound stalkerish, but it's not. But like, I know like where a lot of you guys live or work and when I'm driving through, no, 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 I know that part sounds creepy, but like when I'm, when I'm driving by, like I just, I can't help it. Like I think, oh, there's that place. That's where so-and-so works. And I just pray for you. Or I just remember stories of, oh, I remember like, he was sharing with somebody he worked with last week, and I just pray for you. Like, I, I love that about this city, and I love that about this church, that there are so many examples of you guys just living out the purposes of Christ in this city. So when I say one of the foundations of a church is the people, I just, I just underscore that one. People ask, well, where's your church? I say, well, the building is on Foster Road, but really the people, they're just scattered all over the place, and they're doing great things all over the Iowa City area. So... In Hebrews 13, 17, the verse says this uh, to God's people. It says, obey your leaders. Uh, I feel like a parent reading children obey your parents. But like, here we go. Like, uh, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, uh, for that would be of no advantage to you. Let me just say, like, I can read that verse in a church where I don't feel like I need to like pound a pulpit and yell at you like, would you do this? You know, like it's like, and again, bouncing this concept off of Doug Fern too, like we feel that, we sense that, that this is a church ready to be led, eager to do what God is calling us to do together. So I just want to affirm you, church, just so thankful for this, but you really are uh, one of the key foundations of what happens here is you taking God's word preached applying it in your lives, and then stepping out and serving Christ throughout the week. Another key piece here is godly leadership. And so if you look through the New Testament, some of the descriptors of what a, what a leader does in a church, I see the words equip, and I see the words lead, and I see the words serve. Uh, pastors and teachers and evangelists are described in Ephesians 4 as, as gifts that God has given to the church, and their role is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. That's something we keep talking about as a staff team. Are we equipping like you guys to do the ministry, or are we doing it all ourselves? Really, God calls leaders to a church to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. And that's a beautiful thing. The fun stuff is getting to do the stuff that God has us to do. And our role is not to hog that fun stuff, but really to equip you guys and get you in the game as well. So you see that. There's also, as we study leadership in the Bible, we try to reflect what the Bible teaches as a church. And um, so you'll see positions like elders and deacons and then deaconesses and a women's ministry team. And so, um, and there's different places in the scripture for you where you look for qualifications and descriptions of what 
those positions do. What I thought would be most advantageous during this part of the sermon is have these guys come on up. So um, Mark and Caleb come on up first. Uh, Mark uh, Misnick is uh, the leader of our elder team this year. Caleb Wilson is the leader of our deacon team right now. I was going to have each of them just kind of give like a one-minute overview. Sorry about the beanbags. Um, one-minute overview of what, what they do. So Mark, you go first here. When I think of the two terms that most concisely describe what an elder should be doing and how they're to do it, it is servant leader and under shepherd. And elders are to be shepherding the flock. They're to feed, protect, care for, and pray for the congregation. And they are to lead. They're not to decide every detail of every service and every ministry, but they are to provide oversight and vision and doctrinal clarification when different issues come up. And as far as how to do it, it's the, the key part of the humble servant leaders. They're not to lord it over the congregation, and they do so with a constant awareness that they are the under-shepherds with a small s. The chief shepherd, the capital S, the head of the body is Christ. And we always need to keep that in mind and to know what uh, direction, what the head wants for the body. The elders need to be in constant prayer, study of the word, just like all of us should be. And we also require the prayer of the congregation. And as uh, Doug has shared, Parkview follows the leadership model laid out in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And that also lays out uh, qualifications for deacons as well. And as Mark has explained, while elders primarily focus on teaching and leading within the church, a deacon's uh, role is much more service-oriented. Uh, deacons focus on the physical and the temporal needs of the church um, to allow the elders to uh, better focus on shepherding the church and its spiritual needs. Uh, we currently have 13 deacons that serve at Parkview, and we're broken up into a variety of teams to address the different service areas of the church. And we do uh, a lot of things behind the scenes just to help things continue to, to function well within the church. So uh, every Sunday we take care of counting the offering. We coordinate communion services when those come up. We assist with uh, parking coordination out in the lot there. And we also uh, are, have representatives on the Benevolence Committee, as well as we coordinate faith and action in the church. Um, we also get to participate in elder meetings at times so that we can continue learning and, and growing as well as leaders within the church to see uh, how uh, that functions. Um, two areas of need that we have right now, Doug had asked me to share this, was uh, we could use more volunteers in the areas of community coordination uh, and also in the area of parking assistance. So, thanks. That's good. You guys did a great job. Um, one thing just to pick up on what Caleb said, that we don't have deacons here so that they do all the work. Really, the deacons are here to help coordinate a lot of ways that anybody can step in and help. So like what Caleb was just waving the flag for was we could use some help. Uh, they're in charge, like they oversee it, but they definitely could fill the ranks with with people that are ready to step in and serve. So um, in some of the ways he mentioned, including helping here on Sunday mornings, but also there's many ways that they serve people in need throughout our community during the week. So um, just wanted to, loved it. Those guys did a great job. So this is Kathy Smith. She's leading our deaconess team. And then this is Rachel Overton, and she's leading our women's ministry team. One thing we've done in the last few months as a church is we've done a deep dive into the scripture um, because the Bible is clear there are some roles in leadership in the church where the Bible defines that as a role for a man. But we've also studied the scripture, and you see throughout the scripture, 
uh, that Jesus elevated women, and there were women who played significant, prominent roles in his ministry. And you see that throughout the New Testament church, too. So we're trying to do that well as well. And so I, and I, I love the hearts of both of these leaders here. So they're going to give you an overview of what the deaconess team does and what the women's ministry team does. So go for it, Kathy. Um, if you were privileged to grow up in a church, you probably um, know about the church ladies, the, the women that um, serve the, the physical needs of the church along with the deacons. Um, a few years back when we were flooded, there was a T-shirt that just said the church had left the building. And, um, and I love that. And I love this particular message that we're giving this morning because the church is people and gathering around Christ. But the church also has um, physical needs, things that um, the deaconesses do. We uh, maintain the kitchen. We wash the tea towels. Uh, communion, we fill lots of cups and the elements we take care of. Um, we help with baptisms and funerals. We also try to meet the emotional needs of the congregation. Um, if there's babies that we are aware of, we try to bring meals to them. Um, so we meet the physical and the emotional needs of, of this congregation, and it's a big congregation. There's around 22 of us, and some have um, now left to work on the east side. So we're stretched kind of thin, but one of the things that I think is so important is that relationships are built, the strongest relationships, I think, are built when you're working side by side with someone um, on a mission that's bigger than yourself. And there's really easy ways to do that here at Parkview. Excellent. Morning. Um, so I'm Rachel. One of, I'm one of six women who get to serve on the women's ministry team under the leadership and support of Pastor Doug and Pastor Dave Foster. And I think it's important that I tell you first that the women's ministry here at Parkview is one of many ministries, and that we all are united in growing in and sharing the hope and healing power of Jesus. So the women's ministry team specifically supports and we encourage the existing women that are in leadership here in this church. And we also are keeping our eyes open and praying for potential future leaders who we can help equip. We pray for the leaders, we pray for the various ministries that they're leading, and we gather input so that we can further equip these ladies. Uh, for example, two weeks ago, we had the first of four empowering sessions, and that was on the topic of prayer. And then in two more weeks on Sunday morning, we'll have the second session, and that will be on God's word. And then you can look forward to the last two sessions, which will be in the winter months next semester. Um, if you think of women in leadership, that's just really such a, a general, broad term. And so I think of um, different ways many of you are leading. There's women leading Bible studies within and outside the church, mm -hmm. women who are helping lead community groups, who are mentoring other gals or other children, um, women who are coordinating outreach events, um, serving in the deaconess team. So you get the idea, many, many of you are leading, even if you prefer to not call yourselves a leader. Mm -hmm. And so we're here to help equip you to serve 
to serve well and glorify God. Um, finally, the, our team also is really hopeful that we're helping with communication. And that's communication within the women's ministries, but also just church-wide. We are a team where if a woman comes into the church and she's seeking a ministry, she's seeking mentoring or prayer or even basic level um, counseling, she can be referred to us and we can help meet her needs and or plug her into the appropriate channels to um, help her be cared for. So really, overall, our team really, really just would love for us to encourage one another to continually growing toward um, a more godly image of womanhood and that we would be women who, like our slogan says up there, that we would love God, love others, and serve the church well. Excellent. Can you just join me in thanking these people? Mark had to go teach. That's where he is. So thank you. Yeah. Excellent job. And I can just say we are in a good season now of leadership on these four teams. And, and I do want to say this too. This is in your bulletin as well. There's a little blurb about if you are interested in spiritual leadership. First uh, Timothy 3.1, where it starts to describe the qualities of an elder, it makes this statement um, when it says, uh, if anyone aspires to the office of an overseer, he desires a noble task. I think any of you sitting out there that has a, 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 an authentic uh, desire to lead in the church. That is a noble ambition. And we want to do a better job of just identifying and equipping and unleashing leaders here. So please be praying about that. If you would love to serve in one of these four teams, or there's also needs of serving within community groups and different ministries. If you could pray about that and then let Emily know what we're hoping to start in about two or three weeks is a leadership uh, kind of summit where for a couple times we'll meet with you. We'll just walk through some basic spiritual leadership principles, and then help you assess where would be a good place for you to continue to, to grow as a leader and then to be deployed as a leader. And so our next elder team kind of starts in June. So we really do want to get ahead of all four of these teams, but then also just any other opportunities for leadership in the church. If you have any interest in that, just come, kick the tires, hear what it means to be a spiritual leader, and just see if that's something God would be leading you into. If we're going to continue to be a church that's going to multiply locations and, and possibly plant churches in the future. We need to just do a better job of just identifying and raising leaders. So, so be in prayer about that and let us know if you'd like to jump in and get, in, get in, into that process. So I have just a couple more minutes here, and I want to answer this last question of um, what's the mission of a church? What does a church do? Okay, so um, there's a couple key foundational passages in Scripture you look at for that. You look at Matthew 28, where there's the great commission where Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go in all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You could look at Acts 2, and it's a description of what the first church did. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, so they were in community with each other, with the breaking of bread and prayers, uh, you could look at the great uh, commandment, love the Lord your God by your heart, soul, and mind. As we take all of this, and as, as a leadership here, we've tried to call it down. Well, so what is God calling us to do as a church? Um, let me just share with you kind of uh, some, some new mission, vision, and ministry plan statements we've been working on, okay? And I hope what you'll hear as I read these is that these are a summary of what the scripture teaches about the church. So our mission is to equip people to extend the gospel together for the good of our neighbors and the good of our world. 
And hopefully if you've been around Parkview for a while, you see those things happening. But it's great to have that as a clear mission so we can even be more intentional on equipping people to do this. Our vision then is that we want to help people experience the hope and the healing power of the gospel. We just want to see the gospel continue to go out and change lives like it has changed and is changing ours. And our plan for that then, our ministry plan, is we want to equip people to follow Jesus through teaching his word, through building missional communities, transforming people into servant leaders who will love God, love others, and serve the world. Um, guys, there are many good things happening around here. I was doing a quick count, and I, this number isn't going to be accurate, but there's been at least 80 people that have started following Jesus this year through different ministries. So many of the people that begin to follow Jesus through this church are, are most often through you guys sharing with friends, and I don't always hear about those right away. We had three junior high students trust Jesus last night at a retreat. There's a few more still thinking that through. That's awesome. So the gospel continues to go out. And let's just say, just to wrap up this morning, let's just say we you were, we were in my office. Uh, I love having conversations about, well, what's the church doing? Like over at, or we're out for coffee, so this is over at Napkin or something like that. Okay, so so what's Parkview doing? What, what, what should we do? How should we get involved here? So uh, let's call this, I've seen this called a transformation cycle, that, that, you know, a good first step, and this means our worship service, so our first good step could be that you come to worship, that you're part of Parkview on Sunday mornings, and this is a place where the word is going to be proclaimed, sorry about my writing, uh, the word proclaimed, this is the church gathered like this, so it's great to have this as part of what our team does, we, we gather together, we sing God's praises to each other, and we hear the word proclaimed. We go, okay, well, I go to church on Sundays. What else should I do? I think what we're trying to do is to get uh, more and more, uh, maybe 50 to 75% is our first goal of Parkview involved in biblical community. And this is a place where, uh, again, we center around these values of word, care, and mission, that we would love you to be in a place where God's word is, again, taught, but in a smaller level, you can help it be applied to our lives. Like here when I preach, I can't go talk to every one of you and go, did you get that? How's that going? Are you putting that to practice in your life? But in a smaller context, you can do that for each other. How are we actually applying God's word? Because that's when the word is powerful, when we're doing it, not just when we know it. Uh, we have a place where we can care for each other, not cave. That's care for each other, uh, pray for each other. Um, and that we can live on mission together, that that uh, sometimes I think particularly in this day and age, it might be daunting for some of your friends to come to church with you, but maybe if there's a group of you that meet in a home, that meet in their neighborhood, that you can invite them to join you with some things. I think we're going to hear more and more stories of people meeting Jesus through uh, community groups. So I look at it as a community group, as an outpost of Parkview Church, that this is community groups are the church scattered throughout our community during the week. And so that's the, the transformation cycle. What we also try to do around here is um, we'll have times where we'll provide equipping. Like I just mentioned, some leadership equipping or different classes we offer for how to study the Bible or how to pray. Some of the things Rachel was mentioning. Those are good. We want to offer as many of those as we can. But those aren't the place where you want to bunker down. I think the place you want to bunker down is in, is in a community group. So you, I almost look at these equipping places as, as like an off-ramp. You go there, you get fed, you get charged up, but then you get back into this cycle of transformation from worship and then biblical community. There's one other piece we really want to do well at. It's a, it's a care piece. Use the word care there. Let's say 
Um, and it happens to all of us throughout our lives. Let's say we bump into something that's a little bigger than my community group can handle. Maybe our marriage is really struggling at a deeper level or dealing with some things. I'd love to have some gifted people that are just ready to just enter in deeply with, with some of those deep hurts in our lives. And again, that's not a place we see ourselves being forever, but that after the gospel has helped heal and restore us, that we're right back into this, this transformation cycle. And my goal then is that could God uh, just use us as a church then to, as we get strengthened and transformed through this combination of worship and community, then as we go as God's church, we live out our identity at work, at school, and doing our hobbies, that we'll be Christ's ambassadors, that more and more people uh, will understand who Jesus is. So our strategic objectives over this next year, we really want to continue to shore up and strengthen our community group movement. Uh, if I could jump down to that last one. Uh, we really want to see multiplication continue to be a reality around here personally, that, that we take what God has given us, that we take the gospel, and that we're equipped and ready to share the gospel, to share what God has done in our lives, multiply what God has done in our lives with others. We also want to do that corporately. You've seen that we've started an East Campus this fall. We just keep seeking God. God, where would you have us go next to start another place of worship and transformation where we can have another place where there's word and uh, community happening. So uh, your next steps then, again, we're at my office, we're wrapping up, writing on the napkin. What should I do? Like I, my biggest encouragement is, uh, step one is, do you understand the gospel? Like are you following Jesus? Do you really understand your need for Jesus and what he's done for you? I would just start there. Make sure you understand the gospel. And, um, and then maybe even along with that, if you're still trying to check out who Jesus is, I'd encourage you to get in biblical community. Don't just use Sunday morning alone as your place. Uh, this isn't an event. This is a team. And so make sure that you're involved in, in a community group, that you're involved in biblical community. And then as you continue to grow and, and get closer to Jesus, just keep looking at the gifts that he's given you and where can you serve? Where can you help? And there are just ample places within the church. And we also love it when we're serving outside of the walls of this church and serving our city and uh, this whole area. And then to continue just as you continue to serve and you just, people notice gifts in you and, and opportunities that you could lead. Please be in prayer about that. We'd love to just see a leadership pipeline just emerge from here where your gifts are identified, you're equipped and then unleashed uh, to lead in many capacities here. So let me pray. You guys have been great, patient today with me. Let me pray for us um, as we wrap up. Uh, Jesus, I pray that you would just uh, bring the truth uh, to all of us of what it is you're calling us to be a part of, that church isn't a building, church isn't an event, but this is a team that you're calling us to wrapped around uh, who you are and what you've done on the cross. So, Father, there's, there's some of us that this is where we touch base with church. We're here on Sundays. God, just would you lead us to go to that next step of making sure we're in biblical community Maybe even on the fly right now, some people are going to step into beta that happens now in the atrium just to kick the tires and understand what is a community group? What does that mean to be in biblical community? And God, just keep raising up and unleashing your people, God, to serve and to lead throughout this church and throughout the community. God, I thank you year after year how I just see you use and bless uh, both Parkview Church and our community through the people of Parkview. So God, just keep raising up your people 
and unleashing them, God, to serve you and represent you well. What an amazing privilege, Jesus, that we get to wear your jersey. How humbling of you to allow us to represent you and to live out your purposes. Help us do it well. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. Parkview's mission is to love God, love others, and serve the world. If you live in the Iowa City area, we invite you to join us in person for services every weekend. You can get service times and directions, download messages, and get news and information about Parkview Church by visiting www.parkviewchurch.org. You can also contact us by phone at 319-354-5580 or write to us at Parkview Church, 15 Foster Road, Iowa City, Iowa, 52245.